Okay, grab your Bibles, if you would. We're in Acts chapter 5, a little bit of review. Jared left off, verse 33, I just wanted to look at that. Great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. So, as we get in and close to the next chapter, we're going to see that uh, the writer of this book of Acts, Dr. Luke, he's just kind of telling you, well, this is kind of just a normal day in the life of the early church. Pretty fascinating times. But it's typical. He's elaborating on Acts 2.43. Wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Well, why was that? What was going on in the early church? Well, Jesus was laying his foundation. He was verifying that these apostles were given the very word of God. They, it was God's breath came upon them. And they began to share God's heart. And it kind of went God's breath and heart went through them and it came out and you know Paul would kind of write this way and Peter this way and others but it was God speaking through them and Jesus was verifying that this is the very word of God and in the process he was building his church on an extremely solid foundation Ephesians 2:20 built on this foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself, why he's the foundation, the chief cornerstone. So how important is a solid foundation? Boy, is it important. Just ask Jerry Dotson and his wife. Well, you see those pictures, skyscrapers in San Francisco, The developers of the luxurious Millennium Tower laid out the risks and the potential defects that you could have in a skyscraper if you're going to buy into an apartment. The color and texture of the marble, some may not be uniform. They made a disclosure statement to the uh, potential buyers. The streets below could be congested and noisy. The landscaping The common areas, they could change. You may like it, you may not like it, and so forth. So they put a 21-page disclosure out, and they were very careful to cover everything except for one crucial detail, that the building had already sunk more than eight inches into the soft soil by the time it was completed, much more than... engineers anticipated. The Millennium Tower with its developers is the largest reinforced concrete building in the western United States. It's now sunk 16 inches and it's leaning 6 inches towards a neighboring skyscraper. If they had disclosed this defect, 
I would never have bought here, said Jerry Dodson, the owner of a two-bedroom apartment on the 42nd floor that he bought with his wife for $2.1 million. Never was there a hint that the building was sinking and starting to lean. Whoa, how important is a foundation? (laughs) Extremely important. And Jesus is building his solid foundation for his church, his building. John 13, verses 34 through 35, as we cover question number one on your notes. He's building a solid foundation, and the foundation built is on his truth and his love. It's on him. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. So in the early church, practically, what did that look like? Well, Jared shared a little bit about Barnabas and the demonstration of his love and care others. Okay, don't look at your Bibles. In fact, you might even want to close them just for a second. Keep your spot there. Bible quiz. Who can tell me Barnabas's actual name on his real ID? Anyone? Bible scholars? Don't look at, don't look. Don't, I saw you looking. Don't look. Okay, this is fascinating. We don't remember his name. But look at verse 36. And Joses, that's his name, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Dr. Luke is giving us an example. This is what the foundation looks like when Jesus is right in the middle of someone's life and in the middle of his church. The foundation materials, while they're true, they're solid, they're loving, they're giving. So full of Christ's love that everywhere this guy guy went, people were encouraged, people were lifted up, People were cared for, so much so that they gave him a nickname. We're going to call this guy Barnabas, son of encouragement. I love that. We only know him by his nickname. His real ID doesn't matter to us. So, here we move into chapter 5. Boy, things are looking great. The church is growing It's being built on a solid foundation. And then in chapter 5, all of a sudden there's an ominous note. Satan is trying to get and weasel his way into this building materials and foundation that Jesus is doing. So here we go. Chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, Well, they sold a possession 
And they kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. So they see Barnabas, he's admired, he's given a nickname, he's being praised, and they decided, hey, we want some of that admiration and praise. So they sell a possession, they keep back part, while implying, we're just like Barnabas, aren't we incredible? Aren't we something? Wow. And so they bring this gift with a big show, sacrificially, quote-unquote, just like Barnabas. The word for kept back is a Greek word, nosphizomai. It means to misappropriate or to steal. It's the same word that was used of Achan's gift uh, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, Joshua 7.21. And the only other place that is used in the New Testament, in Titus 2.10, it means to steal. F.F. F. Bruce says this, The story of Ananias is to the book of Acts what the story of Achan is to the book of Joshua. In both narratives, an act of deceit interrupts the victorious progress of the people of God. So, what a spectacle. Here comes Ananias. He's marching in for all to see. He's presenting his sacrificial and generous gift for all to admire, expecting, why, thank yous and praise and oohs and ahs. He gets a surprise. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep, keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Remember Jesus' warning about this type of giving? Matthew 6, verses 1 through 2. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do, when you do a charitable, charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 4, while it remained, Peter goes on, was it not your own? It's not like the Lord was twisting your arm to do this. And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Why have you lied to men, not lied to men, but you've lied to God? That's a Fascinating verse also. Notice in verse 3, Peter says, Ananias, you lied to the Holy Spirit. In this verse, he says, you lied to God. It's just another proof text that God the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, 
fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. That might be an understatement. (laughs) And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Satan is so sneaky, so deceitful. In Acts 4, he tried to silence the church with threats and intimidation. But what did the disciples do? Well, they fell to their knees and they sent up prayers and they were filled and renewed in, in the power and work for Jesus. Now in Acts 5, Satan goes, Ah, well that didn't work. I'm going to try something new. Now he tries joining the church. Satan filled your heart, Peter says. Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. In your notes, number three, Satan is trying to contaminate Jesus' foundation and building materials with hypocrisy. Not going to happen. Jesus is not going to allow the foundation to be contaminated at the very start. Jesus is building his church and his foundation that will last through all the ages. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Jesus' truth and love will build that foundation, not hypocrisy and pride. Verse 7. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. She didn't get a text or anything. Notice how she's in on the premeditated use of these counterfeit building materials. Well, how do you think counterfeit materials work out when you're deceived and you try to use them? Look at this house some years ago built with Chinese drywall. If you remember, things went crazy. The builders couldn't get enough drywall. They began to import it. And lo and behold, what they imported was counterfeit. Businesses hold an auction to cover debts from defective Chinese drywall. In another unfortunate turn of events regarding defective drywall, one business is going under because of the toxic product. A Virginia business that sold drywall was forced recently to hold an auction to cover debts. Sam Porter, who owns Venture Supply in Northwork, said, Now the lawsuits are emerging over problems homeowners are experiencing with my drywall. I've had to toss 65,000 sheets. I bought this drywall from a guy named Ananias. And they said he was a foundation, a pillar of the local first church of Jerusalem. But what was he doing? He was just selling it to make a buck not to help people. Well, that's not quite the way the article goes. 
But you get the idea. So Peter's talking to Ananias' wife. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Spot on. Yep, that's what we sold it for. Aren't we something? Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together with your husband to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. In the case of Ananias and Sapphira, God knew their hearts right from the beginning. He saw their motive. He was not going to allow Satan's intrusion into the building of the foundation for the church. Their cover-up was doomed. Sapphira could have and should have said, well, Peter, no, that was a lie. And she should have confessed. She would have been forgiven. She would have been given new life, a future and a hope. Mercy and forgiveness was available. But she closed her heart. Verse 10, immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So now we have great power, we have great grace, and we also have great fear, an awe-inspiring fear. If you know C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, he talks, there's a picture of the lion, Aslan. And we're told about Aslan. Oh, he's, he's good. He's so good. But he's not tame. It's a wonderful picture of our Savior. And then verse 13, an interesting statement. Yet none of the rest dared join him. But the people esteemed them highly. Whoa, does that mean this church, the, the growth just came to a screeching halt? Oh, I like the way Dr. Volverd sees this. He says this probably means that no hypocrite dared join them. The case of Ananias and Sapphira frightened them too much. Well, what was happening? Well, people saw that Lord Jesus was for real. He's not tame, but oh, is he so good. And he's touched so many lives. And so we see in verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So Satan's scheme I can join the church and I can work from inside out and I can make sure that, that it fails. 
was stopped dead in its tracks. Jesus' church increasingly continues to grow because it's built on a solid foundation, the foundation of Jesus' truth and love and mercy and grace. The apostles, they bore witness of the Lord Jesus Christ to a broken world. So, verse 15, so that they, so much so the respect and the honor and the recognition that, that Peter was directly connected with Jesus himself, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by evil spirits. And they were all healed. Again, we see the wonders and the signs, Jesus' verification that he was establishing the apostles' doctrine It's the very Word of God. And he was in the process of building his church, his foundation, a solid foundation, on the apostles and prophets with he himself as the chief cornerstone. His truth, his love, and now we see his very presence. Even with Peter walking by, the Lord is present. And people are touched by Jesus. Miracles occur. Sick are healed. Demons are cast out. Just like Jesus promised at the end of the book of Mark. This passage also shows how far Peter has come. Remember Peter? Not too long ago, a few months ago, he was sitting in the shadows. He was weeping. He denied Jesus. He was afraid of the leaders being arrested. And now he's so associated with Jesus, the living Lord, that that people literally connect his shadow with Jesus himself. And they receive supernatural touch from Jesus. I don't believe there's anything miraculous about Peter or his shadow. I think people were healed because their faith was triggered by Peter's life and Peter's preaching in the name of Jesus. It was a point of release for their faith. And not surprisingly, when people put their faith in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, they were healed. Romans 10, 13 through 14. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So here's Peter, the greatest privilege that anyone could have, the privilege of being a preacher for the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's not going to take that laying down. Satan roars back. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. 
And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Well, that takes care of that. That'll shut them up, literally. They're shut up in prison. They can't, they can't speak to the people anymore. Well, normally it would have. But look at this. Verse 19, I love this. At night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Okay, get that picture. Later on, we're going to see that the guards somehow don't see a thing. They're still standing there the next day, (laughs) doing our job. Okay? Incredible miracle. Well, they said to Peter and the apostles, go, get back to the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. Oh, I love that statement. This life. In your notes, notice the angel defines being a Christian, Christianity, as this life. Paul, remember what he said? When you become a Christian, you become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And remember Jesus' words? I've come that you might have life, have it abundantly. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And when they heard that, verse 21, they responded immediately. They entered the temple early in the morning and taught. They began teaching in the name of Jesus all over again. They didn't waste any time. I imagine they probably stayed up all night. Who could sleep, go back to sleep after something like that happened, being escorted out of Uh, the prison by an angel. The angel said, go stand in the temple. And early the next morning, there they were reporting for duty. Now here's a quiz if you're a geography buff. What's the world's most populated nation? Really? Well, I looked it up and it's procrastination. More people live there than anywhere else in this land of ours, this world of ours. When God gives you direction, why hesitate? Don't procrastinate. Just activate. Just go for it. The disciples, what an example they are. The Lord says, Get out there and keep preaching and then they can't get out there early enough. I like that. But there's a problem. Verse 21, we continue. But the high priest and those with him called the council together and with all the elders of the children of Israel, they sent to the prison and bring those guys to us to have them brought. Go get Peter and his buddies. But they're not there. 
They're in the temple preaching, courtesy of the angel's early release program. <laughs> Yet more wonders and signs taking place, establishing the foundation of the church, confirming the gospel, confirming the truth and the love of Jesus. But, verse 22, when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside. <laughs> we didn't see anything. I have no idea. <laughs> you know. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And now when the high priest, the captain, and the captain of the temple, and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered. They need to use their brain for more than wondering. What would, what would the outcome be? All they're thinking is, huh, what are we going to do now? So one came and told him, saying, Hey, I know where the guys are. Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple again. And they're teaching the people. Surprise! Verse 26. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence. So they backed off some. Why? Well, just because they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. Verse 27, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in that name of Jesus? And look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. I thought, what a compliment that is to Peter. In your notes. They filled the city with gospel doctrine. Oh, such good news about Jesus. Shouldn't this be our goal in this city of ours? That as Jesus fills our hearts with his love and his truth and his hope and future that he gives that we just can't hold it inside and we just start telling the truth about Jesus. Yeah. He died on the cross all right, but he knew what he was doing. He knew that he had to go to the cross because I had sinned. And he knew the only way I could be forgiven was if he died in my place. And he chose to do that for me. And he loves you just as much as He loves me. He did that for you. He died in your place. And if you'll turn to Him, your sins will be forgiven. And He's the way and the truth and the life. And He's the only way to eternal life. And it's so exciting to know that Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave on the third day. And He's alive today. And He loves you. And all you have to do is call on his name. Wow. To fill the whole city with the truth about Jesus. And they didn't stop there. They go on in verse 28. 
And they accuse Peter. They say, and Peter, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Wait a minute. Whoa, time out. Short memory here. The high priest. Remember what the high priest told Pilate when Pilate wanted to release the murderer Barabbas? And the high priest said, no, crucify Jesus. Crucify him. And then he said of Jesus, his blood be on us and upon our children. Peter isn't going to let him forget what he asked for that ominous day. Yes, bring this man's blood upon us. But there's forgiveness if you turn to him. Verse 29. Worship team, come on up. Verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, I love this, we ought to obey God rather than men. Wow. In Jerusalem, things are going to get extremely interesting now. Sorry, no can do. We're going to obey God, period. Lord, as we close this service, just reminded that life comes from you. Eternal life is a gift that you bought and paid for on our behalf. A future and a hope in this life no matter what we're going through, is you. A new life has begun because of you. And Satan and no one and nobody and nothing in all creation can distinguish it because, Jesus, you are life itself. No matter what man says, we're going to turn to you and follow you and tell others about who you are and how much you love them and that your church is built upon an incredibly strong foundation, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and you are the chief cornerstone. We stand upon you this day and worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me and we'll worship our King. Your love, O oh Lord, Okay, Darren, get ready. Okay, if they learned one thing with the early church, this is what they learned. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.